Welcome to the December 5th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's sermon comes from various scripture, and the sermon is entitled, There is a Name I Love to Hear, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. I want you to take your Bible, just turn with me. Uh, I'm going to have you going several places today, but just we begin in the Gospel of Matthew. Turn to the first page of the Gospel of Matthew, it's where we're going to begin But here we are, the first Sunday of December, second Sunday of Advent. And no matter where you are in life, I pray that this is a holy celebration for you. You know, over 40 years of ministry, I've watched so many seasons come and go and how people react and how people live through them. But no matter where you are in life, I pray that this Christmas season is a season of hope and assurance for you. For many, especially young families, you know, the Christmas season is this joyous season, and the children are looking forward to Christmas Day, and everything has got this build to it, uh, making sure that you get all the gifts, and making sure you make all the meetings, and the children singing all the programs, and and all that happens, and it builds to Christmas Day, and it's it's a month of excitement. For some, it's a month of nostalgia, and that they remember the people and the events of the past and how Christmas used to be. For some, it's a Christmas uh, that is somewhat blue, and that they're reminded of someone that they've loved, perhaps over this last year or very, very recently. And so celebrating Christmas is harder because there's loss in your life. There's a blueness there that Christmas is never going to be the same again. And then for some, Christmas is a season of, uh, that's just emotionally, perhaps financially draining. And all they're looking forward to is simply because it's so hard just getting through it. I remember an old Merle Haggard country song years ago. It was one of my favorite Merle Haggard songs, even though it's sad. But it was, if we make it through December, everything is going to be all right, I know. They had to get through the hardships of December, get into January, and everything would be all right. There are still people who feel that way about December and about Christmas. I'm reminded that that reality is Christmas means a lot to a lot of different people. Not any of us are the same. You know, the old, the old song, Silver Bells, that talks about walking down the sidewalks and everybody's cheerful and everybody's smiling and even the, I don't know if it's in Silver Bells, but the, 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 even the street lights look like Christmas lights. You know, all of that, that everybody's happy. That's not true. Christmas means different things to different people, brings up different emotions for different people depending on their circumstances. But my prayer is this today. No matter where you are in the Christmas season as a holiday, I pray for you that it will be a holy day. I pray that the Lord Jesus will minister to you in this season of the year where you are and where you have need and where he takes care of you. And so I want you to know no matter where you are right now, and I think primarily about a family that just lost a loved one. In fact, two families in our church who just lost a loved one. This Christmas is going to be remembered for a long, long time, and it may not always be easy to deal with. But my prayer is, no matter where you are in the Christmas season, that you will remember that you will have the hope and the assurance that wherever you are, Jesus meets you there. That Jesus loves you there. That Jesus takes care of you there. 
Well, today as we worship together, I want to concentrate on the name of the Christ child. That takes us to Matthew chapter 1. As we begin that thought, looking at Matthew chapter 1, I want you to hear these words in verses 18 through 20. So we have your Bible open with you. Read along with me. Matthew chapter 1, go to verse 18. And Scripture says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. So the Savior of the world came to us by way of the Holy Spirit of God overshadowing a young virgin woman, probably very commonly in the day, a teenager. The Holy Spirit overshadows her and she becomes impregnated without the presence of a man. A once in human history event. Well, of course, at the beginning, Mary's espoused husband Joseph just could not take in what was happening. Obviously, the woman he was engaged to, espoused to, was unfaithful to him. Now, I want to remind you that espousal is a deeper relationship than what we know as engagement. Espousal in the biblical day was a legal contract. It was a legal contract that would lead to marriage. And if you broke espousal, it was like conducting a divorce. It took legal papers to break espousal. So very naturally, Joseph felt ultimately betrayed by this woman to whom he was espoused, was going to give the rest of his life to, and here she is pregnant. But in a dream, the angel of God spoke to Joseph, and he revealed the holy nature of this child in Mary's womb. So interesting what God says to Joseph. The Lord tells Joseph to take Mary as his wife and cherish her because she is completely faithful to him and will remain faithful to him. But also God is saying to Joseph, not only does she remain faithful to you, but in what she's doing right now, she's remaining faithful to me. She's accepted as the handmaid of God to bear the very Son of God. Now there's something that the Lord speaks to Joseph, but it's not in Scripture. We read it between the lines. With the statement that God makes to Joseph to take Mary, God is also saying, and take the child. Raise the child. Be the earthly daddy to the baby that she carries in her womb now. And even though it's not completely written in black and white, that God says that, it's the absolute implication. If you take Mary, you're going to take the baby. Be his daddy. Be his earthly father. Can you imagine getting the command of God to raise the very son of God? 
But as we read these historical facts, we see that God is very specific about the child's name. God names the child. As we read this portion of Scripture, God says to Joseph, you will name him Jesus. It's the name I've chosen for him. His name will be Jesus, Joseph. Name him that. That's my name. Why is Jesus the appropriate name for the Son of God? Well, this morning, and it's going to be fairly brief, but I want to give you seven points as to why Jesus is the perfect name for the Son of God. Turn your bulletin over, take a note, because you'll never remember it all. The shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. Just take a note every now and then about the seven points of why God named his son Jesus. Point number one. The obvious point number one is Jesus is the only name that God Almighty chose for his son. It is God's personal name for his only begotten son. Now, in the Bible, there are multitudes of titles for the Savior. In fact, next week, I'm going to concentrate on one word, one title of Jesus, and the whole sermon is going to be about the one title that we see. But there are many, many titles for the Son of God throughout the Word of God, Old Testament and New Testament. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, titles in Isaiah. We also see titles of Redeemer and Bridegroom and the Vine and the Bread of Life and the Doorway of life. There are so many titles. In fact, there are over 300 titles describing the Son of God, but there's only one name, and that name is Jesus. Say it with me, Jesus. His one personal name. You know there's another man in the Bible that shares that name? He is in the Old Testament. There had been a Jesus long before the manger. There had been a Jesus 1,200 years before the manger. He appears in the Old Testament. He is the man Joshua. The Hebrew name for him is Yeshua. He primarily appears in the books of Exodus and, of course, the book of Joshua in your Old Testament. But he also makes appearances in 12 Old Testament books and three New Testament books. The man Joshua. Now, if you remember the Old Testament story, the account of Israel going to the promised land, Moses is not allowed to take Israel into the promised land. He commits a sin, and God denies him the right of taking Israel, all two million of them, into the promised land. And so Joshua rises up as not a replacement of Moses, but rather as the continuation of Moses' ministry. Moses leading. But Joshua rises up as a savior, as a deliverer himself in the Old Testament because he leads Israel to claim the promised land as their very own. He faces all of the enemies, all the inhabitants. They fight all of the battles. And Joshua leads Israel to claim the promised land that had been promised by God as their own. So under Joshua's leadership, Israel moves into the home God promised for them in that land of Canaan. Actually, the name of Jesus and Joshua is exactly the same. And we see that Jesus fought a battle as well. 
He fought a battle against sin and hell and death. And he fought that battle on the old rugged cross. And he won that battle through the empty tomb so that God's chosen people could inhabit the promised land of heaven. Today, we gather here as people of hope because he fought the battle. He is the Savior. He is the Deliverer. Joshua gave us a picture of who Jesus was going to be fighting the battle for us that we might have the promised land. But those two names are identical. Joshua is the Hebrew form. Jesus is the Greek form. They mean the same thing, Savior, Deliverer. So point number one, Jesus was God's chosen name for his only son. Here's point number two. Jesus is the name that his earthly parents gladly gave him. And Scripture, Matthew chapter 1, as we just read it this morning, God told Joseph to name his son Jesus. Look at Matthew 1, 21. We stop short of this verse. So the Lord is speaking to Joseph in this dream. He tells him to take Mary, but then he says in verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then... If you'd like to flip over with me, go to Luke 1, 31. And as the angel Gabriel speaks to Mary prior to the birth of this child, she too is told to name him. Look at Luke 1, 31. Again, the Lord through Gabriel is speaking to her and says, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. So both Joseph and Mary got the divine command of God as earthly parents to give their son that particular one solitary name. Name him Jesus. They both knew he was a very special gift. And both of them knew the meaning of that word, that name And they knew when they gladly gave that name to their newborn son that he would live up to that name. They knew that Mary brought the Savior into the world. They knew the special gift that the world had received through this birth. So interesting, they knew he'd live up to his name. The great preacher of the 1800s, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, made an observation one day. He once told a story of a little gravestone that he saw in a cemetery with this inscription. Sacred is the memory of Methuselah Coney, who died at the age of six months. And Dr. Spurgeon said those parents named their little boy a name that did not fit. Because, of course, in the Bible, Methuselah is the longest-lived human being of all. I think it was 969 years. And yet, these parents named their little boy Methuselah, and he didn't make six months. So Spurgeon said they misnamed the little boy, but Joseph and Mary knew that when they named the name of their child Jesus, that name, Savior, Deliverer, would fit him. Point number two, it's the name his parents gave him. Point number three, Jesus is the name that tells us our relationship to him. Get that down. Jesus is the name that tells us our relationship to him. I want you to notice, I'm going to have you flipping around if you want to go back, back into Matthew chapter 1. 
in verse 21, I'm going to emphasize a word in this verse. I've already read it, but let me read it again and emphasize the word I want you to hear. Matthew 1, 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Do you hear that possessive word, his people? A people who belong to him. That's important that you see that. Do you hear the tone of ownership in that word? He shall save his people. He will save the people who become his own possession. And everyone, I think about a baptism service where we saw four children of God who have given their heart and their life and their future to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and they've expressed that to the world. When I baptized them, I baptized His people because those four belong to Him. Everyone who knows Him as Savior belongs to Him. We are His people. We are His possession. It's a term of ownership. And we ultimately become His people through the old rugged cross. The God himself who laid down his own life that we might have life everlasting. It's mind-boggling. Ultimately to save his people so that each one of our names individually could be written in the Lamb's book of life. You can see that in Revelation chapter 20. You don't have to turn there right now. But I love the thought of the Lamb's book of life. It is the title deed of ownership of our lives when our name is written in that book. You know, one of the greatest sights that I want to see when I get to heaven, and there are millions of things that I want to see when I get to heaven. First and foremost, I want to see my Savior face to face. But then after that, I got a Rolodex of things I want to see. One of them is, Lord, please take me to the book and show me my name there. Show me my name that was written there when I was 12 years old. Show me the name that was written there in inelible ink that will never fade. Show me my name that was written there in the very handwriting of God. Praise God it wasn't by a computer. By the very handwriting of God is our name written in the book because we came to Jesus Christ through his cross. We are his people, his possession. We're thankful. Point number four. Jesus is his death name. According to Matthew chapter 27 and John chapter 19, written on the cross over his head is this statement. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Only one, only one out of all humanity had the authority and the right to die for my sin and your sin. Only one. He could take our sin and our sorrow to the cross on his own body, and when he died there, he atoned for our sin. He paid the price for our sin that we might have the opportunity to be forgiven eternally. That's amazing to me. When he died in my place and your place for our forgiveness, his name was Jesus, it is his death name. He bore it on the cross. Point number five, 
when he rose from the dead, and when he walked from the grave, his name was Jesus. In Mark's gospel, on resurrection morning, three women saw a young man sitting in an empty tomb. In Mark chapter 16, verse 6, are these words. And he saith unto them, this is the young man sitting on that death slab. Jesus is gone. This is not Jesus. This is a representative of God in this empty tomb. So this young man they see in this empty tomb, he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Jesus is his name of resurrection. Jesus is the name the angels sang on the day of his resurrection. Point number six. Jesus is the Savior's gospel name. I would love to know how many times our evangelist Earl Clarkson has mentioned the name of Jesus over his 25 plus years of ministry and preaching. It is his gospel name. As the old hymn says, there is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds as music in mine ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. It is his gospel name. We preach that name. We honor that name. We sing that name. We say that name. And you can never say it enough. It is indeed the sweetest name on earth. Now listen, I want to tell you this. If you ever encounter a preacher or some group that says it's a religious group, a preacher or someone who's a representative of some religion along the way, and they do not or they will not mention the name of Jesus, and they will not mention him as Savior, and they will not mention him as Lord, you run from them. Because that is a lie from hell. Jesus is his gospel name. Jesus is the name that brings us salvation. You stay away from any group or any preacher who will not mention the name of Jesus. Or who will not give him credit for being the Savior. Jehovah's Witnesses mention Jesus, but they don't call him the Son of God and the Savior. Stay away. And I don't care who hears that in our community. Because it's the truth. As Peter preached in Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. It is the way. Our message has not, will not, and cannot change. His name is Jesus. Many years ago, I preached a revival in Tennessee. Probably more than 30 years ago. Bill and Sally Cope had just gotten married and had moved down there. And I went down to the church they joined in Tennessee. And In fact, the name of the little town was Buena Vista, believe it or not. Tennessee. And preached a revival there. And I remember very well an older lady at the end of that revival who walked up to me and she gave me a slip of paper. 
And she'd written something on that slip of paper, and she simply gave it to me and said, read this. And she turned and walked away. And so I stuck it in a pocket, I'm sure, somewhere until the crowd kind of let off. And when I pulled that piece of paper out, she had written on it, if you meet me and forget my name, you have lost nothing. But if you meet Jesus and forget his name, you have lost everything. I would love to have that piece of paper. I don't know where it went, but I cannot forget what it said. Now, being over 30 years ago when she was pretty well up in years, she's probably not still walking the soil of this earth. But today I can't tell you her name. I saw her those six nights of revival, but I can't tell you her name. But I can tell you this. One of these days, she and I are going to be re reintroduced. Because there's going to be a reunion, and it's going to be at the feet of Jesus. And I will be restored in remembering what her name is, but I can tell you this, neither one of us, she nor I, will have forgotten the name of Jesus. Because it's everything to us. And everything to you, if you know him as your personal Lord and your Savior, it is his gospel name. And we love it. Finally, point number seven. It is our Savior's eternal name. We will hear that name, and we will sing that name, and we will praise that name through every ongoing day of an ageless eternity of eons and eons of time. We will say that name and praise that name forever and ever and ever. He alone is our doorway to heaven. Now, if you want to flip to this, here's an easy page to flip to. Go to the very last page of your Bible. The last page of your scripture, Revelation 22. And I want you to underline the last two verses of your Bible. Verses 20 and 21. As the Bible, as the Word of God pulls to a close, and believe me, this Word of God does not need an update. It does not need a new edition it does not need anything that's added to it or taken away from it. As God closes his word, look at the last two verses as it closes. Verses 20 and 21 of Revelation 22. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. If you've got a red letter Bible, that's in red. That's because Jesus said it. Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The last two verses, repeat his name twice because we'll never forget it. It's the name of eternity, and it's the name that will belong to us forever and ever. In the Christmas season, in the Easter season, spring, summer, winter, fall, may we love and speak and preach the name of Jesus because it is indeed the sweetest name on earth and it is indeed the one name that changes lives and changes eternities and forgives of sin and promises forgiveness and promises heaven may we never tire of that name amen church
But today, if you're here, you're listening by streaming, or you're here in our sanctuary, and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I want you to listen. I know You know this is the end of the sermon. I know some of you are packing up, but listen. The world plays loose and free with that name. On our evening TV programs, and many of them are comedies and sitcoms and all of that stuff, his name is used there. Somebody's going to pay a price for that, by the way, to, to use it loose and free. Some use it with no honor at all. It just is a common word in language, just a word to fill up a space. Throw the name of Jesus in my sentence till I get to the next word. Some people use it as a curse. But if you've never used that name to call him your Savior, this is your invitation. It's not my invitation. It's his. He's the one who said, I gave my life that you might have life everlasting. And he's the one who said, I want you to come. And he's the one who assures us that he's waiting. I, I just have the honor and the privilege to speak what he wants. If you've never given your heart to him, if you listen real carefully right now, he's calling your name. And if you'll be settled down long enough, you'll feel his knock on your heart. Because he wants you as his son or his daughter if you've never given your heart to him. And today, if you will pray, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, and I know I need forgiveness, and I know the actions of my life have created a chasm between you and me. But I know, the, I know the bridge over that chasm of sin is the old rugged cross. And I know that's how I come to you. It's because your son died on that cross for me. And his name is Jesus. And I need Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I believe he died on the cross. I believe that he rose from the grave as Jesus, your son. And I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I'm going to repeat that name for the rest of my life. And I'm going to praise that name for the rest of eternity. And I come to you today. And I ask you to be my Savior. And I ask you to be my Lord. I'll give you a little foreshadowing. Next week we're going to talk about Lord. What does it mean to call Jesus your Lord? I want to call you Lord. If you've never done that, you don't have to wait to a day that you feel cleaner or a day that you feel more like a Bible scholar or a day that you get some things straightened out. Jesus said, I want, to, I want to clean the fish right now. I want to catch the fish and clean the fish right now. You come now. Don't wait for some better day. Today's the day. This is the moment. This is the minute. If you've never come to him, he's inviting you to come. Just come and say, Lord Jesus. You've got to use the name, Lord Jesus. I want you, I need you, and I praise you to be my Savior. Church home, whatever you need, he meets us here. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for these precious moments. Thank you that the name of Jesus is the sweetest name on earth, and it is the sweetest name of eternity. We will praise that name forever. Help us, Lord, in these days to praise you now. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that one of these days, that name will be above every name and every single knee on heaven and earth will bow to you. And that includes even the forces of Satan and evil. 
Doesn't mean they'll be saved. It means they will recognize the king. They will bow to you. But today, Father, before that day comes, I want to bow to you now. I want to praise you as my Savior and my Lord, giving me what I didn't deserve. I pray my brothers and sisters will join me, Lord, in bowing to you, serving you, honoring you, worshiping you. And if there's one who's never come to you as Savior, this is the moment. May they come. If they're listening, streaming in today, they can bow right there in their kitchen or by their couch or wherever they are and say, Lord Jesus, I want you and I need you and I accept you as my Savior. I pray, Lord, all over the world, people are being saved today. Bless us in this moment in Jesus' name. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.